You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. And it's really good to have the opportunity to talk about things that are on our mind. We all have things that are important to us. And the opportunity to be able to share that this morning is a great privilege. So thank you for that opportunity. I've spent many years in church saying how we need to broaden our view of each other and our view of God. And I love working at Oasis because inclusion is part of our very DNA. Our very first value is to be passionate about including everybody. If you haven't read them on the website, then I do encourage you to look at our values on the website. I'm sure most of you have. But our very first value is to be passionate about including everyone. As a church, we're committed to being a place where everyone is included and can make a contribution. It's in our DNA. That means our goal is always to full inclusion. We don't always get it right, and we would like sometimes to be further down the road of inclusion than we are. In some areas, we're further down the road than others. But inclusion is our goal. It's what we strive for. We're passionate about affirming each other, regardless as to background, gender, race, and sexuality. And that's probably one of the reasons why you chose Oasis or chose to stay with Oasis, because of those values, because you also resonate with those, or at least on some sort of journey with those as well. We recognize that God doesn't do monochrome, which is why we wanted to rewrite the stars this morning. The monochrome stars, we wanted to make them more colourful at the front. We reckon that God does life in full 4K Technicolor and more. And that's demonstrated right at the beginning of the Bible. Right in Genesis chapter 1. We're told that we're made in the image of God. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27 says this, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. To help us unpack those verses in Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to call upon two characters who you might not really expect to give us um, some insight into those few verses in Genesis. Oh. It's my turn for breakfast this morning, Gromit. I'd like a three-minute day. Well, that's, that's steady on. Wow! Grummit! Oh! Well, that went as well as could be expected, didn't it? We can keep Wallace up on the screen for a moment. That's, he, he might help us and guide us in this discussion a little bit. Um, you might be wondering how Wallace and Gromit can help us. Maybe we could just keep the whole sketch going for the whole of the morning, actually. That might be, you, might, you might prefer that. Um, 
how can Wallace and Gromit help us in this discussion? Uh, it might not be the obvious place to start with when I talk of inclusive language for God, but bear with me for a moment. Nick Park, who created Wallace, has often been asked who his inspiration was. Who was Wallace and Gromit modelled on? He said that the uh, visual look of Wallace was inspired by a postman he knew called Jerry. He was late, he was late it gets better, because he was later renamed after a Labrador uh, called Wallace. Um, a particular Labrador Nick encountered on a bus in Preston. Um, so that's how Wallace got his name from a Labrador on a bus in Preston. Um, but he was often referred to as being inspired by a postman he knew called Jerry. When it comes to Gromit, Nick overheard his brother, an electrician at the time, talking about grommets, about the rings and the um, washers that were used in his trade. And that's where Gromit got his name. So that's why we have the name Wallace and Gromit. Nick moulded the character of Wallace and Gromit in the image of the postman called Jerry, but also in the image of his dad as well. And lots of people have commented on the fact that the ever so cheerful Wallace um, from the Wallace and Gromit uh, cartoons were made, uh, there, were some, there were some similarities to that, his dad in there in terms of his character. Um, and often Gromit is referred to as being similar to Nick Park himself. So there was that sort of characteristic. So, there, so within that character of, Grom, of Wallace, you've got the characteristics of Nick Park's dad um, mixed with the looks of the, uh, the postman um, and the name of the Labrador. Um, and so that's how he came up to make the character of Wallace. Nick moulded the character of Wallace and Gromit in the image of his dad and in the image of a postman called Jerry. And not forgetting the dog, of course, called Wallace. The verses in Genesis chapter 1, I believe, are poetry. And it's poetry which is inspired by the Hebrews who were in slavery, writing their poems and writing their stories, writing their songs of their God, moulding and developing the universe and humankind within it. And these stories and these poems are direct response to the growing creation stories which had been in culture at the time. And we're introduced in these poems to a God who decides to make and form humankind in their image. Note the language in these verses. There is male language in there, but it's not exclusively so. Let us make humankind in our image. According to our likeness, God created them. We talk about being made in the image of God. And that's interesting because if we look around this room here, okay, we're not the most obviously multiculturally diverse church as some of the churches may be, but we are all looking different. So just have a quick look around the room um, and look at each other for a moment. And you'll notice quite quickly that there's nobody who looks like you in this room. Um, everybody looks different. We all look different. We all work differently. The way we learn is different. It's why we do church in a different way on different Sundays, because we don't all work and learn in the same way. Gender-wise, we identify differently across the room as well. So it makes sense that God is diverse as well if we're made in the image of God. In this room, we might identify as female, male, non-binary or trans. And the poem says we're made in the image of God. 
We are between us, mothers, fathers, daughters, sons, and we're made in the image of God. So it makes sense to me that if we're made in the image of God, then the language we use for God can also embrace that as well. And yet, so often it seems to me that the language we use for God is limited. I'm going to invite you for a moment to turn, I know this for some people is, makes it feel uncomfortable, um, and other people like it, um, but that's part of, again, the diversity that we are. But I'm going to invite you to turn to somebody next to you or near you um, and to talk to them about the adjectives we tend to use when we talk about God. So the adjectives we tend to use and we tend to, to, to use in our prayer life um, when we talk about God. Just a few moments just to turn to the person next to you and just have a quick conversation about that. Now maybe you came up with creative and inclusive names, but it seems to me that most of us have been brought up with a very male-dominated language when it comes to God. Worth acknowledging here that even the word God is a male term. It would probably feel quite uncomfortable to us to refer to God as goddess. Um, But when you think about it and think the logic of male-female language, uh, even the word God itself is a male word. I'm not suggesting for one minute that we switch to referring to God as goddess. And actually through the the service this morning, I'm going to be referring to God as God um, and using that term. But it's worth acknowledging that and and at least realising how language does limit us and, and does limit the way we view God. Let's think of some of the other terms that probably some of you mentioned. Terms like Lord, Father, King, Brother... And we use them all the time. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to use those terms. I don't want to be misheard this morning. It's not wrong to use those terms. But it is good to, A, be mindful of the terms that we use, the words that we use. And also, B, to consider mixing it up a bit and um, changing the record. Because those records have been long playing in our heads for so many years. These are the terms that we're so used to using. And we slip into those terms so easily. So at least we need to consider why we're using those and be mindful of them. Uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't continue to use them, but we should be mindful of them and consider mixing it up just a little bit. So I'm going to ask you just to turn again to the person next to you and to ask um, the person who's sitting next to you to, uh, how it feels to refer to God as Mother God, how it feels to uh, think of God as a queen rather than a king, which is the language we used to, and recognise in this that we are so ingrained in the male language that this will feel uncomfortable to some. Um, and so do be careful, uh, take care with each other um, and um, just to, yeah, to, to, to guide each other through that conversation. But um, how does it feel when we hear the terms Mother God or God referred to as Queen rather than King? How uncomfortable does that make us feel or are we okay with it? We're probably on different places on that spectrum. So just a few moments just to have that conversation. I don't know how that conversation was for you. Maybe it was uncomfortable. Um, Maybe it was very natural. But nevertheless, we are so ingrained with the language that we use that sometimes it can feel uncomfortable when we have different language. So mother, father, king, queen, whatever terms we use for God, um, 
it seems to me quite interesting how we refer to God. And it's good that as a church we don't shy away from these conversations. But to be honest with you, mother, father, queen, king, etc. still feels a bit binary, um, if I'm honest, to me. If God does life in technicolour abundance, then are there gender neutral adjectives that we can use instead? Some which maybe actually feel a little bit more comfortable than referring to God as mother, actually, or to God as queen. Can we be a bit more creative with our language? So terms like loving God, caring God, creative God, technicolored God, all those different, you can probably think of loads more that you could put in front of the word God um, to describe God. Are there lots of other describing gods which actually probably make us feel less comfortable than the gender binary options? It seems to me that if we're serious about inclusion, we need to be serious about the way we reference God. Because we're made in the image of God. And we're all different. And if we're made in the image of God, then God's big enough to be, represent us. The way we pray privately and particularly out loud, I think matters. And the way we address God when we sing matters because we worship a God of technicolour and not a God who is monochrome. But we're so used to using the male language for God that we need to rewrite the record. Or maybe, this, is, this will be significant if you're of a certain age, um, and I wonder actually if anybody can tell me what the connection is between this. I did try this on my 17-year-old uh, son yesterday, and he gave a very different answer, which I thought, oh, that's interesting. Um, but some of you will know what the, what the significance is between a roll of sellotape and a cassette tape. Um, anybody want to enlighten those younger in the room as to what the significance was between a roll of sellotape and, and a cassette tape? Is it just me? <laughs> Yep, yep. So um, if, if you wanted to re-record over a pre-recorded cassette, there we go, you would take your little bit of sellotape and you would put it over the corner of the cassette um, and then you could re-record over a pre-recorded cassette. Or if you wanted to protect a cassette that you'd, you'd done, so you made your mixtape on, you could take the, punch the little hole out at the top of the cassette um, and then to re-record over it, you'd have to put a bit of sellotape on it. It seems very old-fashioned now, doesn't it, when you talk about that? Um, and uh, certainly describing it to anybody under the age of, I don't know, 30 um, probably seems a very old-fashioned thing now to think about cassettes um, in that way. Although cassettes are having a little bit of a come, they're about to have a bit of a comeback actually. Um, you know, like vinyls had a bit of a comeback recently. Um, they're all talking about cassettes. I'm not sure I quite uh, um, think cassettes have the same um, significance as records, but there you go. But they are about to come back. So maybe the idea of putting a piece of tape over the cassette um, edge will, uh, will come back again. And then when I was speaking to my 17 year old son about this yesterday, I thought, when I, when it, when I said about this, I'm going to say, and it's going to really blow your mind the connection between a pencil and a cassette. <laughs> Again, those of you at a certain age will know what I'm talking about there as well. Um, but in order to rewrite the cassette, in order to, to erase what was there before, you needed to put that piece of tape onto the cassette. You could erase it, the previous recording then, and you could replace it with something else. So I wonder if we need to metaphorically get our sticky back... To, um, what do they call it on Blue Peter? Sticky, it wasn't sticky back plastics. That was, that was more... The, was it sticky back tape or something they used? For, yeah. 
Sticky photo, oh yeah. Because they weren't allowed to say sellotape in those days on the TV. Um, so they, sellotape. We're getting our sellotape out to put on the, the, um, the tape to rewrite that long ingrained language that we slip into because it's been playing and playing over in our heads for so many years. How do we rewrite the cassette? How do we rewrite that? So what adjectives could we use to describe God? What, how could we rewrite the cassette, re-listen to the record? Just another opportunity, last opportunity, to chat with the person next to you or somebody around you um, and to think about some of those adjectives that we could put in front of the word God instead. So I invite you just to do that for a few moments. And if you feel comfortable, then you could say a prayer quietly or out loud using some of those objectives. Um, so just a few moments to do that with each other, just to describe some of those um, words we could put in front of the word God, which are perhaps more gender neutral, uh, make us feel a little less um, uncomfortable maybe um, than gendered terms. So just a moment just to do that. And if you feel comfortable, you can pray quietly or out loud using some of those objectives. Just going to read those words from the beginning of Genesis to us as well, because again, they resonate with this whole conversation about being made in the image of God. And you might like to look around the room and look at other people. It might feel uncomfortable, I don't know. Um, but look around the room at other people uh, as we consider people being made in the image of God and God therefore having some form of image of us here as well. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Henry has just shared something with me and asked if he could share it with others. And actually, I think it's quite significant what Henry had to share. So would you like to come and share it, Henry? Thank you, Ian. Uh, my name's Henry. Um, I've just been on a retreat in Wales for a week, and one of the exercises that my spiritual director suggested to me, uh, which ties in very closely with what Ian's been saying, was to uh, uh, write out an A to Z of terms, uh, adjectives about God. And so I sat down, and with some difficulty, I went through the entire alphabet, uh, thinking of adjectives uh, describing God. And she said to me, yes, very good. Now, why don't you use it to pray through? And so I went back to my room and prayed through all these different adjectives for God. And I found it a tremendous sort of uh, way of, uh, of getting a conversation going with God. And it struck me after I'd done that that... Um, what I ought to do is write these adjectives down on flashcards and every time I pray, take out half a dozen of these flashcards at random and just use these terms. And I think it would help me to um, help my prayer to flow and I thought it was a sort of idea that I'd like to share with others in case it helped them as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. That was really helpful. Thank you. 
And so as we consider to, considering rewriting the message this morning and rewriting our message um, and, and our um, things that we've been, have ingrained in us over the years, next week we're going to be thinking about the songs that we sing as well. It's Sofa Sunday next Sunday and we'll have an opportunity to think about the songs we sing because there's a really good connection between the way we refer to God in our prayer life um, to also how we refer to God when we sing as well and the songs that we sing because in, again those are long playing records that play in our heads um, throughout the week and it's really important uh, that we consider I'm not saying we, we necessarily stop singing all songs because of the language in them but at least we consider the language that we're singing rather than just singing them because the words are there so we're going to be thinking about that next week in our Sofa Sunday um, and there's a good opportunity to, to consider that further then Last week, um, Rob led us in worship with regards to breathing and to breath prayers. Those of you who are here last Sunday or listening online or caught up during the week, um, you'll know that Rob introduced the idea of uh, breath prayers to us and, and breathing, using our breathing um, as our prayer offering to God. And there's a really neat link to that last week, to our conversation today. You see, the ancient Hebrews used breathing sounds in order to refer to God. Because the sacred name of God was so sacred that they wouldn't utter those words. So they used the terms yo, hey, they, hey. So they're written down as the top line, but pronounced as the second line. And we get the word Yahweh from those, that origin. That's, that's where the word Yahweh comes from. And, but these are breathing sounds. These are Hebrew breathing sounds. Yo, hey, va, hey. And these breathing sounds were used to describe God or to, to reference God. The sound of breath, the sound of breathing was the way they would refer to God. So God is described as breath. And so the breathing prayers that we did last week is all about the very identity of God and the way that they, they would have referenced and referred to God. So could it be that God is there in every breath that we take? I'm resisting going into a police song at this, <laughs> this particular moment. Could it be that God is there when we take our first breath? The first breath that we utter, are we uttering the very name of God? Later in life, we take our final breath. Even then, are we breathing the name of God? Yo, hey, va, hey going to uh, allow us just a few moments to say those words together. We can say them out loud or we can say them just quietly in our breath as we concentrate on our breathing again, just like we did last week, um, and particularly using those terms, yo, hey, va, hey, the breathing sounds which refer to the very identity of God. Let's pray, still our minds for a moment.
as we breathe in and breathe out, we reference the very identity of God. And with those ancient Hebrew breathing sounds, we say, Yo, hey, va, hey. Just spend a few moments just in your own breath, breathing those sounds. Yo, hey, va, hey. Yo, hey, va, hey. So when it comes to language, we recognize how restrictive our language can be, both in terms of the English language, but also in terms of the language which is so ingrained in our hearts and in our minds. But God goes beyond our language limitation. God goes to the very breath, to the very being of who we are. Yo, hey, va, hey. Amen. You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.